So if you would, open your Bibles to the book of John, St. John, chapter 3. And we're going to do a little mini-series, and we're going to call it The Joy of Living Generously. Living the Generous Life. You know, God is the author of generosity. He actually defines it. In John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now read verse 17 with me if you would. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. So generosity is love. Amen? It is love in action. And we'll never be able to live a generous life, the lifestyle of the generous, until we have a revelation and an understanding of just how good and how generous our Father is. So, Lord, right now we look to you. I thank you, Father, for giving me utterance to speak forth your word today. I declare that the word of the Lord will not fall on deaf ears. For you give us ears to hear and you give us eyes to see. And so, Lord, we thank you that as we kick off this season of generosity, we feast on your word, and we could never thank you enough for all the good things that you have done. Say it with me, for the Lord is good, and he has done great things. Praise God. So our generosity then, us living a generous life, is really a demonstration of our understanding and of our revelation of His generosity. We're going to look at a few scriptures today, beginning in Romans the 8th chapter. And we notice in verse 31 and verse 32. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and verse 32. And I'm reading from the NLT. It says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God be for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Think about it. That's a wow to me. He gave us his son. Well, since he gave us his son, why not would he give us fill in the blank? Why wouldn't he give you a car? Why wouldn't he give you a new job? How about this one? Why wouldn't he give you a house? He's good. He already paid the ultimate price for your deliverance and for your salvation. And salvation is an all-inclusive word and includes you having your needs met and you being a blessing. Amen. So embracing the truth. The truth will set you free. Embracing the truth about His generosity will empower you and I to live a generous life. You know, you can see it all throughout the Old Testament, can't you? God being good to His people. For example, in Psalms, 30, uh, Psalms 105, verses 37 through 42, let the Word speak to you today. It says, The Lord brought His people out of Egypt, loaded with silver and gold. And not one among the tribes of Israel even stumbled. Egypt was glad when they were gone, for they feared them greatly. The Lord spread a cloud above them as a covering and gave them a great fire to light the darkness. They asked for meat, and He gave them quail. He satisfied their hunger with manna, bread from heaven. 
He split open a rock and water gushed out to form a river through the dry wasteland. For he remembered his sacred promise to his servant Abraham. Notice verse 43, read it with me. So he brought his people out of Egypt with joy and is chosen with what? He brought them forth with joy. He brought them forth with great rejoicing. When you came into the kingdom of God and you left the land of Egypt, you experienced the joy of your salvation and the joy of your deliverance. I wonder if anyone in this hacienda today can testify that the Lord has brought you out. Now that's not good enough. Can anyone shout, the Lord has brought me out. The Lord has brought me out. He brought them out with silver and gold. When God delivers, He delivers His children in style. Amen. They went from being sickly to being healthy. They went from being poor to being wealthy. They never wandered in the wilderness without their need met. Why? Because He's a God who provides. He's a God who cares. And He is always good. Can you say amen? Notice with me in Joshua chapter 14 and verse 13. Again, this is the New Living Translation. It says, I gave you land you had not worked on. And I gave you towns you didn't build. The towns where you are now living, I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. Wow, that's quite a statement. Their provision was over and above in the promised land. It sounds like God to me, that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Amen. Oh, I love this. Think about this for a moment. What God did for them, it was not based on their works, but it was based on his generosity. It was not based on their sweat. It was not based on their efforts. It was based on the great, great grace of His generosity. Oh, glory to God. And then going over into the New Testament. Ephesians, the second chapter. And notice with me in verse 8. It says, God saved us by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift of God. Oh, say it with me. It is a gift from God. How generous is our God? Well, He gave salvation by grace to cover all of your sins in the past, in the present, and in the future. He is a God who overflows with grace. His grace is abundance. Oh, friends, today, receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness and begin to reign as kings in life through the Lord Jesus Christ. I just dropped by to tell you that God is good, that God is generous, and if you listen to Him and walk with Him, you will be able to live a generous life for the glory of God. Oh, somebody shout and say it with me real strong. He is generous. generous. Moving over to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 through 8. Now this is the ESV. I believe that's called the English Standard Version. It says here, In Him we have redemption through His blood. 
Redemption is not something we are trying to get or attain to. It's something that has been bought and paid for you in Calvary's cross, in His death, and in His burial, and His resurrection. We are the redeemed. And it is through His blood. Now notice this. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He has lavished upon us. Say it with me. He has lavished His grace upon us. Now what that means, it was copious. It was abundant. It was more than more than enough. It wasn't just a little amount of grace. He lavished us with great grace. Now some of you know what the word lavished means. You may not exactly know what Webster says it is, but you sure enough know it by the amount of whipped cream you put on your pumpkin pie. You sure enough know it by the amount of butter you put on your baked potato. And wait for it, the amount of butter you put on your popcorn. So you know what lavish means. God is a God who lavishes His sons and His daughters with great grace, enabling us to live a victorious life in Christ Jesus. Oh, glory to God. And then look at Matthew chapter 7 and verse 11. It says, If you then, being evil or natural, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how many of you love to bless your children with good gifts? Well, that's about three of you. Well, I can see while I'm pre- why I'm preaching this message. Some of you need to get a revelation about generosity. He said, if you then, being natural or evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven, notice this, give good things to them that ask Him. So we see our Father is good. He has good things. He doesn't have bad things. Every good gift comes from the Father of lights. And what He's asking us to do is simply to ask of Him and expect of Him to do what He said He would do according to His Word. That's why it's so important for us to know what these good things are that He gives. Good things. Salvation is an awesome thing. How about the infilling of the Holy Spirit? That's a good thing. How about a little joy, unspeakable, and full of glory? Was it a good thing today when we were praising the Lord? God gives good things. He gives good gifts. He gives people to lead us in praise and worship. He is a good God. He fills His temple with glory. And we're asking for a greater manifestation of His presence and of His glory than we've ever seen before. Woo! Glory to God. Psalm 84, verse 11. English Standard Version says this, For the Lord God is a sun and shield... The Lord bestows favor and honor. In other words, He gives His sons, He gives His daughters great favor. And He said this, that He will always honor those who honor Him. So if we will honor Him by living the generous life, we are in a great position to receive great favor and great honor. That's what the book says. 
I'm expecting it. How about you? But I want you to see the last part of this verse. He says, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now, I was meditating a little bit on that verse yesterday. And this phrase, walking uprightly, just came to me. And I thought to myself, how does one walk uprightly so that we can be in position to receive those good things? He says, no good thing will I withhold. He didn't stop there. He said, but from those to those who walk uprightly. And I immediately thought of three things. And of course, these aren't the only things that um, we do when we're walking uprightly. But one thing we do for sure, walking uprightly, we must walk in love. Because love is the great commandment. If we're going to be in position to receive all that God has for us, we need to make sure we're walking in the great commandment. That we're loving our neighbor as ourself. That we're loving sinners and seeing sinners the same way that God sees them. He does not see them as despicable. He does not see them as putrid. He sees them through eyes of love and eyes of faith. He sees them as precious. For He sent His Son to shed His precious blood for the precious fruit of the earth. And so this walking in love, this walking in the Spirit is the second one that I saw. Walking in the Spirit. If we're going to walk uprightly before God, we better make sure that we're led by the Holy Ghost. And that we are on the right path that He has laid out for us to walk in and to live in. Oh, friends, you didn't hear that. God's got a path for you. He's got a plan for you. He has got a purpose for you. But it's up to you to find out what it is and to obey it and walk in it. For when you walk in the Spirit, and when you're led by the Spirit of God, He will always lead you to your wealthy place. He will always lead you to your healthy place. He will always lead you to your joyful face. Place. Amen. And face, for that matter. Amen. Say me, walking in love. Walking in the Spirit. And how many of you know? Walking by faith. Walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, if you walk by sight, you will never tap into all those wonderful things God's got for you. Walking by faith and not by sight. So say of me, I choose to walk in love, to walk uprightly, to walk in the Spirit, and to walk by faith. In the book of James chapter 1 and verse 5, again in the NLT, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our cheap God. Have you noticed that he is not El Cheapo? That's from the 70s. That's all right. It still works. He's not El Cheapo. He is El Shaddai. He is not the God that is less than the least. He is the God that is more than enough. He is not the most low God. He is the most high God. And He has raised you up and given you joint seating with heaven, in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Amen. So if you lack wisdom, let Him ask of our generous God. And if He's in a great mood, He will give it to you. No? 
and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. As a matter of fact, he is the God who gives liberally to all men. He is extremely generous in giving you wisdom. Wisdom is for the asking for everything that you go through in life. Wisdom is for the asking for every trial and every test that you may be going through right now. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 through 11, I ask you today, are you happy in the house? You're getting a good meal. Let this meal get on the inside of you. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, 11, I want you to read verse 8 first. Let's read this together. And God is able to make all grace abound toward me. Now say it this way. To make all grace abound toward me. For what purpose? Read it together. That you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound Woo, glory to God. You know, as a church, we've been generous. We've got a vision in this church. Amen. We're reaching the lost. We're healing the hurting. Amen. We're seeing the people of God being matured by the power of God. I want to share with you some ways that we've been generous in a little while. But what I want you to see, he's able to give us grace so that we can abound yet more and more. Now, this is what happens when you live your life generously. When a church is generous, people on the receiving end get happy. They get real happy. Anybody ever received an unexpected gift? What did it make you? It made you happy. But also what it did, it caused you to lift up your voice and to lift up your hands and say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Many of you have been recipients of those kinds of gifts. Now, as we get on the giving end, there is more joy in giving than there is in receiving. And when you live your life generously, you're going to be happy. You're going to be a person that can hardly wait to get up in the morning to see where I can be a blessing next. I'm yours, Lord, to command. What are you saying to me in my spirit? Show me, teach me, lead me. Show me where I can be generous. Show me where I can be a giver. Amen. Woo, glory to God. Now I want you to notice verse 11 in the same context of 2 Corinthians 9. Now this is in the ESV version. Notice this with me. Here's the result of you and I abounding in this gracious generosity of giving. It says, you will be enriched a little bit. No, you will be enriched in every way to be generous when you feel like it. No, to be generous in every way. Now notice this, which through us will produce. Oh, raise your hand and say, it produces thanksgiving to God. What is this saying to us? It is saying he enriches you and I in every way that we might be generous. 
so that as a result, thanksgiving will rise to him. Oh, friends, the joy of living generously. The generous life not only enriches the life of the giver, but the lives of the receiver. Everyone wins. Hallelujah. Say it with me. Everyone wins. Everyone's blessed. Blessed coming in. Blessed going out. Being the head, not the tail. Above and not beneath. Hallelujah. Faith in God's generosity empowers you and I to live generously. We are to be imitators of our Heavenly Father. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 and verse 2, it says, but be followers of God. In other words, the word followers means be an imitator of God as dear children. And then the next verse says, and walk where? Where have we heard that before? And walk in love. When we imitate him and walk in love, we will be generous. You've heard this quote many times, but it's worth repeating. It says this, you can love, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. To be like God, you've got to learn to become a giver. And oh, he places such a high premium in his word on being generous and being a giver. The word give in the Word of God is used over 2,000 times. Think about that. It's important. He places a very high premium on it. In Luke 6.38, this is a very familiar verse of Scripture. And this Scripture works in every area of our life. It says, give, give and it what? You, say, you need to stop right now and say, it shall be given. I'm a giver, and it shall be given. It's being given unto me. How is it being given unto you? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Woo, glory to God. Let's do that again. Good measure, pressed down. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hallelujah, that's the overflow. That's the overflow kind of life that God wants us to live. Now, notice the word give there. The tense in the Greek denotes a continuous or a repeated action, which follows very closely with our theme, giving as a lifestyle. And we know that giving has a rich benefit. We already read it. But Jesus promises that what we give comes back to us in a greater measure. Now, when we give with the right motivation, we can have great expectation of a harvest. Amen. Thank God for sowing, but oh, thank God for reaping. Say, I'm a good reaper. I'm a good receiver. Glory to God. Part of reaping your harvest is being led by the Holy Ghost and obeying the promptings of the Spirit. If He prompts you to do something, it may seem like a little thing. 
it may seem like a little step, but we all know that little becomes much when we put our lives in the hands of the master. We could tell story after story after story of how men and women of God throughout the years have just stepped out and taken a little step. But then God added to their steps. And now we're seeing worldwide, world-changing ministries as a result of just going to that city, just saying, yes, Lord, just doing what God puts in your heart to do. Listen, folks, whatever he says unto you, do it. The water would have never been turned into wine if they didn't do it. Amen. And so God has placed on the inside of any, every one of us instructions. And He's waiting for us to take those steps. Because the first step is not the last step. The first step leads to step after step after step. And it leads you right into your wealthy place. Oh, hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 8. This is a very good verse of Scripture. I want you to keep it up here just for a moment. Because we're going to meditate on it for a moment. It says, but generous people, say that's me. That's me. Somebody says, well, I haven't been generous, but it changes today. Amen. Say to me, I am, I am generous. You ought to be saying, I am generous, just like you say, I'm healed. But generous people, now notice this, they plan to do what is generous. What this is saying to us that we are to be intentional in our giving and looking for ways and places to be generous. I think a question all of us must ask ourselves, including Pastor Mark and Pastor Brenda, do we look for ways to bless others or are we looking just to get blessed? It isn't difficult. It's easy. And it boils down to this, just making the quality decision and making the choice to be generous. I choose to be a giver. So generous people, they plan to do what is generous. They don't wait for a project to come up in the church. They don't wait for a project to come up in another ministry. No, they plan. They're, they're led by the Spirit of God. They're storing up a portion of their income for God-ordained projects. Amen. Amen. In other words, intentionality is the key to the generous life. Now notice the rest of this. Not only are they intentional and plan to do what is generous, but they stand, now notice, firm. Everyone say standing firm. In their generosity. What does that mean? Well, I don't know what all of it means, but I do know what of a portion of that means. I believe this, to stand firm in our generosity, means that we're not just building our life for ourselves. Amen? It means that you're building your life on your giving and not just your getting. People who are generous, people who live a generous life are committed to live as givers and not just takers. There will always be takers. 
There will always be consumers. We're not to judge the takers. We're to love the takers. We're not to judge the consumers. We're to make sure that we are not just takers ourselves. And we are not just consumers, but we are contributors. And when you set that kind of example in the local church, I'm telling you what, it will catch. It will spread. It will flow through the body of the anointed one. In Proverbs 11, verse 24 through 25, it says this in the message, The world of the generous gets what? It gets larger and larger. But the world of the stingy (laughs) gets smaller and smaller. Verse 25, The man who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Have you found out that to be true in your life? You've given of your time. You've given of your talent. You've given of your treasures. You've given of your touch. And as a result, your life is just getting bigger and bigger. It's getting larger and larger. Don't underestimate this message. There is a call going out to the whole body of Christ. And you know what the call is? There's a call to be generous with our time. Be generous with our talent. Be generous with our treasures. Be generous with our touch. Here's what we do when we commit to the generous lifestyle. We give of our time. We give of our finances. We give of our words to help meet the needs of other people. Generosity is not a single act. It is a way of life. I want you to say it with me. Generosity is not a single act. It is a way of life. My friend Diego Mesa, who pastors down in Southern California, did a tremendous teaching along the lines of generosity years ago. And I want to quote him. What is generosity? Diego says, it is loving, giving, sowing, and serving from your heart. Because you love God and because you love people. Now let me just define for you what the word generosity means. In the Hebrew, it's a very interesting definition of the word generosity. It literally means to saturate with water. And we know that water is a symbol of what? It's a symbol of life. It means to saturate with water, to overflow in a way that brings life to people. How many of you remember Keith Hershey? How could you ever forget Keith Hershey? A wonderful friend of the ministry, a great man of God, and he's on our target for the joy of generosity giving. Amen. But he has preached... Brendan, I have listened to him for years, and so have you. He has preached some masterpieces. He preached a message one time at a minister's conference called Nothing But Net. And I can relate to that. Because I'm kind of a nothing but brick kind of guy. No, a nothing but net. In other words, what's your net worth? He talks about who you are in Christ Jesus. Another message that he preached so beautifully and wonderfully is life. Giving life away. Living in fullness every day. 
Say with me, living, living. In, fullness. in fullness every day. Giving life away. You've got life in you. You've got love in you. And out of our belly should be flowing rivers of living water or rivers of living generosity, rivers of life. Amen? Ministering to the people that are around us, flowing through you. When we do that, I'm telling you what, life gets better, life gets bigger, and life gets richer. Now, this is a familiar verse of Scripture, so I want you to read it with me. John 10.10 in the Amplified. Notice this verse. It says, The thief comes only in order to kill, steal, and destroy. Read the rest with me. I came that they might have life and enjoy life and have it in abundance... Living in fullness every day. The generous life is the abundant life. The generous life is the overflowing life. We will enjoy life to the full until it overflows when we are being generous in all things. The Greek word for generosity means ready to distribute. Amen. We are a distribution church. Amen. Ready to distribute. Ready to give. Ready to be a blessing. Diego says this. He said, Generosity is the liberality of giving, loving, caring, sharing, and helping through money, time, words, influence, forgiveness, affection, attention, resources, and talents. That's a mouthful right there. And he furthermore says, uh, generosity overcomes selfishness, stinginess, pride, lack, covetous, fear, and depression. And the challenge that I want to issue to you today as a church is to make generosity a lifestyle. Make generosity a lifestyle. Make it a way of life. Everyone stand, please. I hope you got something out of the message today.